my name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Members to Excellence, a podcast that explores the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. We discuss the triumphs and failures that have shaped our lives and our leadership philosophies. I've found that it isn't whether we fail that defines us, but when we do fail, how we respond. Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today, I'm speaking with Jeff Forrester. He is the author of Unleashed Potential. He's a coach and trainer, and he is also a realtor in Central Florida. So if anybody's looking to buy or sell anything in, uh, in Central Florida, Jeff's your man. Um, and we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about his book, Unleashed Potential. We're going to talk about... Um, the ideal client for Jeff for uh, his coaching and training and um, really talk about what he's most passionate about and, and really what led him uh, on to this path that he's on now. So Jeff, thank you for uh, coming on and, and sharing your story with us. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a few months since we first connected and it is, it, it's, pretty serendipitous that uh we we live so close together and we've never met but we end up meeting through somebody that's six hours away from from both of us uh, yeah <laughs> through social media nonetheless yeah. <laughs> i want to dig into really where where it all began for you where where were you born and raised and um what did your parents do Where'd you grow up? Yeah, so I was born in Gainesville, Florida, which is up in North Florida. So our family's a, considered a Florida pioneer. We're fifth gen. I'm a fifth generation Floridian. So there's not a lot of us around that have been here. And the way you get that designation is my grandmother was big into genealogy and was able to trace our family back living in Florida before it became a state. So we've been here a long time. Um, so Gainesville, Florida was where I was born and raised and where I lived uh, the majority of my life. And my parents, uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom and my dad was a small business owner. He had a, a toy store and then eventually it moved into a hobby store. So hobbies in the essence of like adult toys not in the way that most people would think, but like radio controlled cars and planes and trains and rockets and all those fun, fun things. And then he ran that until my senior year in high school where he was diagnosed with lung cancer. He was a smoker. And so he passed away in 1991 when I was a senior, I just graduated. So he held on until he got to see me graduate high school. And then almost to the day, a month later, he passed away. And then uh, my mom and I ran that business until I finished college. And I did the, the Tommy boy seven year plan <laughs> to get through. And once I got through with that, I'd seen the, the ugly side of entrepreneurship, not the social media side that everybody sees now of the glory of, you know, riches and 
private planes and big houses. It was no vacation, very little money, no savings, no benefits, you know, nothing. And it was just a constant grind that I saw my dad do. And then, you know, seeing where we were financially after he passed away, I just knew that wasn't something that I wanted to necessarily pursue because I wasn't a risk taker. And some of that comes from uh, my mom. She's not a risk taker and she's an amazing woman. That's just not, you know, everybody, there's some that are willing to run into a house that's on fire and other ones that are like, I'll call 911 for you. Um, and that's kind of her, her way. So, you know, I was nurtured into that. And so that's when I went into the corporate world and I started there in 97. And then that leads me up to today. So I had different careers within that corporate career, started in technology, selling wireless networks and computers back when that wasn't a big thing. And then shortly after that, I got into the pharmaceutical industry in 99. And that's where I was up until um, December of last year of 2021. Where, where did you go to college? Did you go to? I went to UF. Yep. Well, I first I started at um, Santa Fe Community College, which was, I was so thankful for that because it was a, a great transition for me because I was not a good student in high school because I just couldn't stay focused. Um, I wanted to hang out with my friends and play sports and do those type things, which I think a lot of kids nowadays and back then did as well. But um, so I went and went from high school into Santa Fe Community College, which was great. And so once I passed and graduated with my AA from there, then I transferred over to UF and then majored in public relations. <clears throat> and Santa Fe, that, that's in Gainesville too, isn't it? It is, yeah. That, that's kind of a common thing in, in Gainesville and like Central Florida, really. Kids that want to go to Gainesville, a lot of times will move to Gainesville, um, not have the grades or whatever to get into U of F, go to Santa Fe, kind of build their life around up there and then get into UF and become a Gator or they, they don't make it and go back home. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was great for us. Cause my mom, she had paid for my brother. She's like, look, I, you know what we did for he, I have an older brother, four years older. And I said, we paid for him to go to school for two years to get his AA. And then after that, it's up to you. And so she committed to doing that, but I did not have the grades <clears throat> to get, I didn't even take the SAT. Like I kept skipping the SAT. I'm like, I'm not taking it. Um, so Santa Fe, fortunately, if you didn't take it, you could take an entrance exam to get in. So I did that. And it was good because it was a smaller, smaller classroom sizes. It felt, it really felt like high school squared. So it was like just a step up. And so, you know, taking the weed out classes with a, not 300 kids, but with 20 kids was a lot better for me. And then I learned how to be a student with Santa Fe. And so I think it was, for me, it was an excellent stepping stone that got me into UF. And what did you say you studied at UF? Public relations. Public, public relations. And how did you uh, use that when you, when you got out of school? Yeah, so the, the beauty of that degree was it was a cross between marketing and journalism. So we took a lot of writing classes, we took speaking classes, we also took marketing classes, you took, and now again, this is late 90s, so we were still 
doing layout on paper and you know doing some of the old school journalism thing that doesn't exist anymore um, but it was good because it for me at the time again i i also didn't like hard things so math and science i wanted to avoid and so i originally was going to go in for straight journalism had a friend's dad who was a professor and he was like yeah you don't want to go this route He's like, you're going to make $17,000 a year. You're going to work in some little small town in a small state that you probably don't want to be in. And you're going to work tirelessly for, you know, 10 years just to make 30000 So he's like, I don't really recommend it. And he was a professor for, for TV journalism. And because this was at ESPN's heyday. And everybody wanted to be a sports uh, anchor, sports reporter. And that was the angle that I wanted to go as well. He's like, have you looked at public relations? And it was a good degree for me because there was no math and no science. And it really played into a lot of the strengths that I have of just being able to be a connector, be a networker, and then just work through a lot of, a lot of fun classes. It, it, it's, it's funny. Um <clears throat> A lot of the things that you're saying, it, those are lessons that people learn later on, you know, like develop your strengths. And, you know, there's no reason that you need to go slam your head against that brick wall made up of all your weaknesses. Like, let's, let's find what you're strong in and really hone those skills. And I mean, how many times have you like tried to do something that you just don't have the, the skills for and bang your head against that wall just to experience failure? And um, I don't I don't want to speak for you. But I've done it quite a bit. So, <laughs> yeah, well, and that's one of the topics in my book is knowing your strengths and weaknesses. And it's that if you're going to go towards something and you have a weakness, you either have to work really hard to overcome that, or you need to shift. You need to find something, a path that doesn't offer so much resistance that you're gonna be, you're, like you said, <clears throat> beat yourself up, become depressed and oh, woe is me. It's like, you know what? That's just not for me. That's, you know, it, it's the, I, I like to quote from Woody Harrelson's character in Doc Hollywood. I don't know if you ever saw that. Um, and he's like, you know what? I would have been a doctor, but it was that science thing that held me back. <laughs> and that's kind of, that's where I was. I'm just not a science guy. Like I won't be a concert pianist because I just, I don't have that gift to be able to play a musical instrument or to learn a second language. I tried, I took two semesters of Spanish in college. I, it just didn't sink in. Like I took tutors I did everything to try to just pass the class and I barely passed. It was the grace of the teacher because it was the last class that I had to graduate from UF and I had to go in begging. I'm like, you have to help me get through out of this class because if I don't pass it, I don't graduate. Um, but it, it, it is one of those things because if you go after something and you have a weakness, your weakness caps your potential it caps you from being able to do more. And that's where so many people tend to, me included, focused only on strengths 
And depending on which way you're going to go, if you don't at least acknowledge the weakness that you have, you'll never continue to move forward in something else. And man, it's so applicable in so many different areas of our lives. I, I can think of, gosh, right off the top of my head, three different parables from different eras in history that capture that same sentiment. Can, can you talk about really what led you to write your book? What inspired you? Was there like some event or chain of events that set you on that course? And, and then maybe it, it's, the, it's interesting because a book like that, Unleashed Potential, I mean, how many books have you written before that one? Zero. <laughs> so it's, it's really interesting, like, to, to really go, you know what, I'm going to write a book, and this is what I'm going to write it about. And I mean, did it just like fall out of your head on the paper? I mean, you really had to work at it, right? Yeah, yeah. So I like the question of chain of events, because it, it definitely was not one thing. And I truly feel like if you if you reflect back on any of those major shifts, whether it's writing a book, it's doing something different. It's not just one point in time that flips. It's a series of events that leads up. So for me, <clears throat> yeah, I've been in corporate um, America, and I was accomplishing a ton getting new titles on my business card. Um, but everything else was just starting to crumble around me because of, you know, I know you talk about PTS and, and where that comes from. That happens to all of us. It doesn't have to be just veterans or first responders. We all encounter something in our lives that creates this post-traumatic stress and how we handle that and how we deal with that. I think is very similar, whether it's a first responder or someone who's in corporate America in leadership. So I say all that is it got to a point where I was just at wit's end. I was at the bottom and I stepped away from leadership. And I, I knew at that moment that um, I'm, I'm a Christian, that God had, I was at the bottom and I had to figure out a way to get back out. Um, and it centered around my wife. You know, I'd come to the uh, moment in time where I'd always held everything in, which most people do. You never express it. I'd even gone to therapy and wasn't honest with the therapist. And, you know, like, yeah, I got it all together. I'm good. And we just would kind of release a few things here and there. Uh, but I was still afraid and um, of what other people would think of me, even somebody that I was paying to listen to everything that I had to say. And so I got to the point where I just was on the couch with my wife and I just let it all out from like childhood all the way up to the present. And she looked at me with just this wonderful grace on her face and was like, I'm still here. And that, that was the, the catalyst moment that started me, you know, where I'm at today, four years later, it was that moment on the couch and her giving me permission to share that and then not turning her back on me when I opened up. 
And so from that, I moved into out of leadership into an individual contributor role. But I've always been a student of self-development, of leadership, of just getting more out of your life. And so my manager at the time, she's like, you've got a lot of knowledge in your head. Have you ever thought about being a consultant? It's like, well, I thought about it, but I have no idea. How do you do that? Do you just say, I'm a consultant. People start to hire you. That's not how it works. <laughs> Trust me. Um, so I just started putting stuff. I opened the notes section on my phone and I just started typing things that I had learned over the past decade plus being in leadership and helping coach people um, that reported to me. And so I had it to where I was like, okay, I'll have a leadership program. But the way I had it written out, it was going to be like a year long program. <clears throat> and I sat there and I went, nobody's going to do that. Nobody's going to a nobody's going to pay me for what I would need to get paid to do that for a year. And so I kept whittling it down through conversations with different people. So I finally, over time, I had it to where I'd broken it down even smaller because everybody said, if you're going to be a consultant, you need a course, you need some kind of um, tangible material to, to teach from. And so I finally got it whittled down to what I thought was going to be like an executive program. And the, the four key areas where it got down to was knowing your strengths and weaknesses, the importance of communication, self-development, and setting the proper course. So I had these ideas for this course, um, and I'm giving you all the backstory, so I'm trying to be relatively quick. So then I reached out, and I was like, okay, I need to build a web page. So I built a web page. I don't know how to do it. My wife and I did it on Wix, kind of got something up. I'm like, okay, people are going to start calling me. <laughs> Again, that's not how it works. Um, so I had seen this post by Adam Davis, and I had started following him when I heard him on Marcus Luttrell's podcast, um, Team Never Quit. And so he <clears throat> was an author, but he also had a digital media company where he helped people build web pages and then um, make them more efficient and optimize them. So I see a, a post from him on Instagram and had a phone number. And so I thought, well, this could be one of those robo phone numbers. But I thought, well, what the heck? I'll just text it and see. Well, it was his actual cell phone number. So we started going back and forth. And I, I ended up hiring him to help me build my webpage. And through the conversation, his first question is, well, what do you do? And what are you selling? So I was telling him about my course. And he's like, well, you got a book in you. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have a book in me. He's like, I'm telling you, you could write a book. And um, I'm thinking it's the imposter syndrome kicking in. I'm just Jeff from Orlando. I'm not, I don't have, I'm not a former firefighter, police officer, service member, um, billionaire, millionaire, sports person. I'm just Jeff from Orlando. And who does that resonate with? So I'm telling myself these lies in my head. And then um, he gets back on a call with me the next week. And finally, he just pushes me over the edge. He's like, look, it's really simple. I'll lay the steps out that anybody could follow. And he did. And it was super simple. And so this was in February, right before COVID hit. And, um, and I started. So I used, the, it's based on those four key areas. And by April, I had the book finished. 
So I don't know if I hit everything that you asked about, but that's at least what got me to the to the book. And and for the 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 best part of the book, Dave was, um, I know I don't know if this is going to be on YouTube, but the chair that's behind me, my son was sitting there with his iPad. So it's during COVID. We're not going anywhere. We're sitting right here. And so I'd been typing every day for weeks. And he looks up and I go, buddy, I just finished my book. So he looks up from his iPad, kind of turns his head and looks at me. He's like, cool. <laughs> and he goes, you know what, dad? You were, you were writing a book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, they knew. Cause I'm like, you gotta be quiet. I'm writing a book. Um, he's like, you know what? Even if nobody buys it, you know, you did it. And I go, that's why. So, I mean, that was the success that he saw that and he felt that enough to say what I needed to hear is that book wasn't for anybody else. It was for me to do something hard and that I was scared to do and then see it through its finish. Can, can you walk us through uh, some of the key points of your book and, and really what you're hoping people get out of your book when when they read it what is what is it that you want to endure in them once they're done reading that book what what value do you hope to add to those individuals that read your book yeah that through being intentional they can do anything that they want to do and it's intentional and realistic in the sense that nothing's easy. And if it's easy, you need to try something that's a little harder. And so from that, it's not an instruction manual because I think the way I do things and the way you do things are probably different. And what makes you successful and me successful are potentially different. And so throughout each of those sections that I talk about, I share stories of how I've used those four areas to help me, it's either held me back or it's moved me forward when I focus on those. And so that's what I want people to do and to really realize is that they have the ability to do more and to unleash more of their potential, but you can't expect somebody else to do it for you. It's you doing it and you have to put in work. There's zero substitution from you doing the work. And so in one area, it's about self-development. And I, it came to me uh, personally is <clears throat> there were certain times in my career where I was struggling to get promoted. And my excuse was, well, my manager's not helping me. So therefore I just didn't do anything. So to me is I was delegating my own self-development to someone else. When nobody is, should be more in tune and more responsible for my development than me. Like it's my job. And now there's so much free stuff that's out there. We talked about TEDx, talked about your book. We talked about my book. For $15, you can get a ton of coaching. For your podcast is free. It costs no one any money but you. And they could listen to it and they could level their life up just listening to your podcast. The issue that you've probably seen it, I've seen it, I've done it personally, is I'm a good consumer of information, 
but not always a good, I guess, um, contributor. Implementer, I think is a good one because I don't like to use executor. I think that's overused. <laughs> but an implementer of the information is the information is only as good as what you're going to do with it. And I, I feel like, and again, I'm speaking for me personally, there were so many times where reading about it and learning about it made me feel really good. I've got all this knowledge in my head, but I'm, I'm good and quick to tell you, Dave, how you can let level up your life, but am I doing it myself? And that's what's been the course of the last four years that I realized is I always genuinely wanted to help people in my other roles as a leader, as a manager, but it was somewhat um, selfish because I wanted to help you. So then you thought better of me more than being unselfish. And I just want to help you regardless of how you think of me. And so where my intentions were good and I did want to help someone, I was looking for something to get back. And that's changed now. I just want to help people. I want to, I want to help people do more with their lives and make better decisions so they get more out of it. And I'm a firm believer is the more I do that, eventually it will pay off. And it doesn't mean it's monetarily. I'd like it to, because I need to support my family. But ultimately, if we can all make an impact on one person and you compound that by paying, they pay it forward, they pay it forward. We're changing the world one person at a time. And that's like Jeff's motto is that's, you know, you want to affect a billion people. How do you do it? You start one at a time. And that's what I want to do. And that's what I hope this book does is if it can just impact one person to do something different, one parent to do something different, one, you know, <clears throat> marriage to look at things differently, um, someone's career to look at it differently. Those things will change people, not because of what I'm saying, but because of what they're able to do with it once they read it. Just a, a week ago, prior to us having this conversation, I uh, I spoke with the host. Actually, I was on What's the Value podcast. Um, it was one of the deepest, like, it, it was just an incredible conversation with this guy that... Um, He, he asked the question in the beginning of the conversation, what's the value? What's important to me? What, what drives my actions? You know, and, and then he digs in deeper and, and it's, uh, I think the, the value in he and I's conversation was that I think we were both coming from a place where We've done a lot of thinking about our purpose, you know, the meaning of life and all that. So, so we were able to get really right down to the core without a lot of, uh, you know, questions to, right. to clarify, like uh, not a whole lot of clarifying questions. And what I shared with him was that for me, after, I mean, 
I was first introduced to philosophy outside of the Bible um, when I was 19 years old in the Navy. This guy that was in my company, I don't even remember his name, but we were having this conversation and he was like, you know, I think you would really like this. And, uh, and I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know uh, who's Frederick Nietzsche. Like, and he was like, I, I think you would enjoy this. He was like, and we can have a conversation after you read some of this. Um, he was like, because I think this conversation that we'll have with this will lead us into Sartre and Camus. And, and so I, I read all these different philosophers and, um, and it really like opened my mind to a lot of new ideas. And when I got out of the Navy, um, I, I started studying other philosophies and uh, I wanted to understand other religions. And, <clears throat> and so throughout humankind's history, there have been, you know, great thinkers, philosophers, uh, religious leaders, um, just leaders in their own right that have sat down. I mean, even like back in the, the very primitive days where they were sitting around a campfire, sitting on rocks or uh, piles of grass or something, I don't know. Uh, and just looking at the stars and wondering, you know, why are they there? What's, what's the purpose to it all? What I believe is this common thread through our, our development as humans throughout time, how we're, we're like just really designed to be in small groups that are a part of a bigger group, you know, these different units. But our purpose, I believe, is to work really hard at developing ourselves, our skills, our knowledge, work really hard at adding value to ourselves so that we're better able to add value to those people that are on our team, those people that are in our community, just to make the world around us that much better. And if everybody did that, exactly what you're talking about, if everybody did that, how much better this world would be if we just all had that, that foot? Because like I said in that conversation, and I think you just said it too, is that when you're driven to just amass wealth or stuff for yourself, that, that selfish drive, you can amass a ton of stuff. But once you have it, if nobody wants to hang out with you and play with your cool toys because they like hanging out with you, I mean, you haven't built a community. You've built a bunch of stuff that people want to hang out with you for that, but they don't really care too much about you because you're a jerk. Right. You, you know? Well, and, yeah. And you've heard people say like, 
Yeah, he's kind of a, a jerk, but dude, did you see his boat? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'd rather them go, let's go hang out with Jeff and sit on the front porch. He doesn't have a lot. And, I, and again, I'm blessed. So take that in, in context of the conversation is I'd rather go sit with somebody and just hang out with them because I enjoy the conversation and it could be on a park bench and we're sipping a, on water. It doesn't have to be elaborate. And to me, that's as I've gotten older, I've learned. And it's so funny that, and, and I don't think that there's coincidences either. So yesterday, um, this goes perfectly with what you said is I had a real estate deal that got squirrely right towards the end. And here I am thinking about it. And in this day and age, you know, getting a deal is precious, especially working with buyers. I work with primarily buyers right now because there's so few listings that are coming up or there's a lot of competition. There's still listings, but anyways, so this thing's going sideways and I don't even know if it's going to happen. I think it will, but it, I don't know. And I started thinking to myself, if I make my happiness dependent upon closing a deal, I'm going to be disappointed a lot. And I cannot tie happiness. Now I can be excited when I get a deal, but my happiness has to come from somewhere else. And for me, it's my relationship with God. Like that's where my happiness has to come from because I'm going to be disappointed if I'm constantly chasing that next deal or because I need to buy this next car or I need a bigger house or I need different things. And so to your point, it's that really thinking differently of how we live. And that's that philosopher, that curiosity that we all need to possess. And that's part of the self-development is community. And you were also, when you were talking, I was thinking of the, the um, analogy when they talk about crabs in a bucket. Have you heard that analogy? So if you put crabs in a bucket, if one of them gets to the top and is trying to reach out, the other crabs grab it in efforts to climb over them, but it pulls the crab back in. So they never can get out of the bucket. And that happens with us and friends and family. If we're not in the right community and we're not in the right circle, their fear of doing something hard or facing their weakness, their first reaction is not go get them, Dave, you know, come back for us when you're a success. It's let's bring you back in, Dave, because we don't want you to succeed because we're afraid if you succeed, then that proves that we can also succeed. And I'm scared. And those that's from that community perspective is we have to really align ourselves with the right people. And sometimes that means not saying, well, I can never be your friend. It's I need to reconnect with a different group that's going to pull me along and push me to do something better. And, you know, we've all heard Jim Rohn talked about you're the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with. And if you're not accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish, do an inventory of the people that you're around and say, are these people helping me get to my dreams and reaching my goals? And if the answer is no, it doesn't mean that you have to just turn your back on them. It's like, I need to find a group that's going to help push me and get me to that next level, because then what will happen 
is if you're stronger, then you're able to help this group back here start to get 1% better, 2% better, and you bring them along for the ride. But that's an element to your point of having a community around you that not only we can impact one-on-one, -on -one, but they can impact us because then it's that compounding effect. I asked this question of certain guests and the way that I, uh, I phrase it, I, I like to break up a person's um, experiences in like three phases for this question, right? So the first phase is like from the time you're born till you finish up with high school and you're moving on to more higher level education and experiences where you're, you're kind of left to your own devices, right? You know, you're making your own decisions. Um, you're picking your own classes and, and then you move into your professional life and your early professional career, you cut your teeth and you learn a lot of lessons there. You make a lot of mistakes. You figure out, okay, these are some things that I could do a lot better. And here's how I need to learn how to do that. And then you get into that later part of your career where you're like, all right, I, I think I got this. And that's when you start helping other people develop and passing on some of that hard-earned wisdom. Um, not that you're not still learning, right? because I think that there's, there's a lot of lessons to be learned by how you help people develop. And so my question is, if you evaluate those three phases of your life, what would you say the key lesson or the, the biggest lesson for each one of those phases would be? And put this in the context of you're sitting your son down 15, 20 years from now and saying, here's here's the things that I've learned in my life. And I want you to pass these on to your son. So when you break those three areas out, so the first one is as a young leader or as, as, a, as new in the professional world or just younger. And that's, I think everything overlaps personally and professionally is one is don't be so afraid and that was one thing that would, it paralyzed me on a lot of instances, um, was being afraid of taking a risk, being afraid of what other people may think, being afraid of doing hard things and failing. And so those three, those things really held me back for a long time, not just then, I still struggle with those things and fear. And a lot of people do. And and these are lessons that I tell him and my daughter all the time. And if we can encourage people to evaluate fear from danger, that can help because are you afraid of it because you're just afraid and it's new and it's different and it's going to be hard? Or are you afraid of it because you potentially could have physical harm? There's a difference. And so for me, that was a big, big component 
Um, and then the other element as, as a young person was worrying about what everybody else thought. I know that was a fear that we talked about, but, you know, talk about in my book is I was a fat kid. And when I made the decision to lose weight, I did it because I thought more people would accept me and that they weren't accepting me because I was fat. No, is they were accepting me. I wasn't accepting me and I wasn't moving forward and I wasn't healthy physically. I mean, I was relatively healthy, but I was overweight, but I had more baggage emotionally than I did physically. And so that's another component of really be secure and understand that you're made in a magnificent, unique way, but you also have to continue to, like you said earlier, strive to be better, strive to be healthy, body, mind, and spirit. So that's the early part. The middle part, because it continues to layer on that, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, is be genuine and wanting to help other people. <clears throat> Everybody has a different way that they're going to help people. Some could be instruction, some could be coaching, encouragement, support. I'm an encourager by nature. Um, and that, but some people aren't encouragers in, in the the textbook encouragement way, but do it from the heart and do it genuinely and not like a quid pro quo is I'm going to help you, then you can help me. Because that to me, that's where the challenges becomes where every relationship is transactional and it's not a real bond bonding relationship. So, and then <clears throat> the last lesson in life that I've had, it, it's a compound of all of those is the, well, this is an element before, but it plays now is don't forget where you came from. And so a lot of times in the professional world, as you get promoted up, it's easy to start to live in a vacuum with other managers because that's who you've surrounded yourself with. And so many times people forget what it was like on the front line. So it's easy to say, go do this. And you go, well, wait a minute, how would I have reacted when I was in that role and somebody said that to me. So don't forget that. And that to me carries as you continue to move forward. So in the same element is now that we're further along in our lives, we need to see that person not only at the beginning, but in the middle <clears throat> that may be struggling with that transition from a contributor into a leadership role. And you probably saw that in the, the fire service is you get into that position and not that your heart's not there, but you're overwhelmed. And again, the other element that continues to go through all three of these is don't be afraid to ask for help and say you don't know. In sales, that was one thing that we were always encouraged to do is don't wing it. If you don't know it, share that you don't know it, and then you'll gain respect from people. <clears throat> what I've seen professionally, though, within the corporate world, if I tell my direct supervisor, that I don't know how to do something, a lot of times that's going to be held over my head in year-end reviews. Well, why didn't you know? Well, you didn't tell me, <laughs> but that's not an excuse either. <clears throat> so these are things that play in line. And then where I'm at now is you have to practice what you preach. And that's what's happened over the last four years of moving out of leadership and living in that vacuum and now having to do something that I've been coaching for over a decade, I had to coach myself 
And I have to do that every single day. Real estate is tirelessly you selling your book, <clears throat> me selling a book, growing a coaching platform is you cannot stop. You have to constantly be moving forward and you have to apply all the things that we've learned along the way in our lives. And that's how you set a better example than telling people what they need to do is you show them through your own actions. And that's what I've learned more than anything is I can have more impact grinding every day just in my business and people observing what I'm doing than I can if I'm standing on the stage and telling you what to do. So that would be probably the, the epitome now of applying all those things and layering them on each other, but I have to do what I've been telling people to do. And that's hard. <laughs> that's not as easy as it sounds. Jeff, I wanna thank you so much for, for coming on today sharing your story, sh sharing uh, your book with us. And actually, uh, how, what, what is the best way for people to connect with you, for people to get a copy of your book? Um, like, I'm sure you're all over social media. Um, you know, are you pretty active on social media or? I am. Instagram's the, where I'm most active because it seems to be the easiest to push content out. <clears throat> so I've got several different profiles, but if they just want to find me, then they can find all my other ones as well. But if they follow Jeff and then the number four Esther, so Jeff for Esther, then that has everything about my book there. It has everything about me it, it, what I do. And, I, and again, I try to be very transparent and non-social media-like. So I'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly throughout um, because it's not just a rose-colored lens that we all live within. Uh, but that's the best place to, to reach out. They can also ask for a signed copy of my book through there. And then they also can go anywhere where they can buy books online, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and they can buy one from there as well. Well, I will have uh, that link in, in the show notes. So anyone listening, uh, they can go right there, click on that, or <clears throat> I would encourage everyone to, at the very least, go to Amazon and pick up a copy of your book. Um, that, uh, and what a, what a powerful story. And, and, and I'm looking forward to having more conversations with you because, uh, pretty incredible that we i mean we live probably 30 minutes away from one another and we've never met <laughs> no yeah, Orlando's a big place <laughs> yeah well thank you so much jeff i really appreciate it man no problem buddy thank you for the opportunity thank you for listening to this episode of from embers to excellence please like and subscribe to my youtube channel Follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. My goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible. So if I can be of any assistance to you or someone you know, please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them. And the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.